the Bold Moves How Did You Know podcast. It's a podcast for the naturally curious who want to define their own path. I'm your host, Kristen Rocco, and here I'm sharing bold move stories that propelled my guests from curiosity to action. And in doing so, they've defined a path that is purposeful to them. Through these stories, I hope you'll be inspired to pursue your boldest dreams. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to my new friend, M. She's the founder of Vaca Brand and Marketing Consulting. M is a marketer with over 12 years experience as and now a budding entrepreneur. She's wearing so many hats. She's the co-founder and chief strategy officer for Vaca, a brand and marketing consultancy. Um, what Vodka means is super cool. So, um, and I'll also let you describe a little bit about that and how you came up with that name and concept. She's also an empowerment coach focusing on people from a culturally and ling- linguistically diverse background. She's a mentor with a sisterhood, and she's recently joined the 4EB Radio, one of Queen. Queensland uh, in Australia's largest community radio station as a volunteer host for the African program. She sits on an advisory board for the African Professional of, of Australia, and she's currently working on their brand strategy. And if that list wasn't enough, she's got several new projects she's working on. One of those includes launching a podcast called Voices Amplified, Um, next month in April, which will be dedicated to highlighting and elevating the stories of underrepresented groups in her community. Welcome to the show. Em, how are you today? I'm great, Kristen. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you being here. I am so excited for this conversation. Um, I would love for you to introduce yourself a little bit better and pronounce your beautiful last name for these listeners. So my full name is Magnus Rujizo. And I always say, if you picture pronouncing reds and you can pronounce Z. <laughs> so it's a little trick for you there to pronounce Rujizo. I've, um, you did a great job introducing me. There's really nothing else I can add to that. So great job. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, you are just starting your brand and marketing consultancy called VACA, V-A-K-A. Is that right? Yes. And can you tell us a little bit what that stands for and what the concept is all about? So VACA in Shona, VACA in Shona, um, it means build. And I came up with this concept when I was thinking of what I wanted to work on next. And for me, building means setting a foundation that you can then build a solid structure. So based on my experience in uh, some of the companies I've worked in, I was drawn to the strategy side of things because I know how to effectively build brands, to effectively build, you know, um, marketing programs that bring tangible results. And if that's to succeed, you need to have a firm foundation. And that's what my consultants is all about. It's about building a firm foundation and then laying, layering on the tactics that need to, but those tactics need to be built on a firm foundation. 
Oh, I love that so much. As a marketer myself, I can definitely relate to the most successful marketing programs come with that strategic foundation before everything else is uh, is is brought in and the tactics are are decided on. It's it gives you that that foundation for the messaging and for the business differentiation, and it really shows you how to go and relate to your target audience. So that is such a cool way to showcase the the strength of um, of what what setting that foundation can do for a brand. I love that. Switching into a little bit around, you know, what the topic of this podcast is about, which is all about bold moves. Um, I've had the chance to connect with you a little bit outside of the podcast, have heard a little bit about your story, and I can't wait to learn more. Um, and so my first question is, how have you been bold in your life and in your career? I've made some, um, well, first of all, to me, um, being bold, like bold moves to me, um, is about being brave and being brave to step out of line. So we all set uh, certain expectations of our lives and being bold is, you know, when you, it's, it's deciding that the line no longer suits because who you were when you set certain standards and certain line is not who you are now. So being bold is, you know, stepping out of that line. And I've made some bold Mm -hmm. moves over the years. A few stand out. And my mom loves telling the story. When I was young, about six years old, we went for a picnic with my mom's friends. It was like a monthly thing. And some of the parents were going uh, to what we call in Zimbabwe mountain climbing. And I insisted on going with them. Now, this wasn't for kids. (laughs) <laughs> this was for adults only. So it wasn't Uh-oh. advisable for a six-year-old to go along. But I insisted, and um, one of the parents offered to carry me if I needed to be carried. But I climbed all the way up and came down without any assistance. And my mom said it was at that point she knew I could do anything I set my mind on. What a what a cool representation of um, your earliest memory of you really knowing that you were going to take chances and keep climbing no matter what happened. Absolutely, and I I can see my little determined face at six years old. <laughs> so that was so cool. Um, and following up on that trend, when I wanted to go to uni, I was advised by people not to study marketing. Because if I wanted to become a CEO or to be taken seriously in the corporate world, I needed to study finance or to be a lawyer. I was determined to be a marketer, so I stuck to marketing. And I'm glad I did. And, you know, in my career, once I started working in my early 20s, I was headhunted by Zimbabwe Cricket, which is um, the governing sport for cricket in Zimbabwe. And after meeting Mm -hmm. with the managing director and head of public affairs, you know, I assessed the situation and I asked for 50% more than the role offered. And I got it. (laughs) (gasps) Wow. So how did you get the courage and know your worth early on in your career like that? I just, for me, it's been, um, I grew up surrounded by powerful women. And 
I've never, I never witnessed any of them backing down from what they wanted. And in that moment, sitting in that room with the managing director, I knew that if I didn't ask for a number higher than they were offering me, I was not going to enjoy that job because from mm-hmm. the from from the scope of it, it was a really massive job. And I thought the salary they were offering did not, you know, relate to what the job entailed. So I thought, hey, let me ask for more. And he smiled and said, okay. <laughs> that is a great story that shows you're never going to get if you get it if you don't ask for it. Yeah. Have you... Have you used that approach in in other uh, job situations? Do you always negotiate? Oh, I always negotiate. Like fast forward a couple of years later, when I was working for one of the largest retailers in the in the world, you know, I when I started working, they did negotiate, but I realized I was being underpaid, so I was being paid less than everyone else on the executive team. So I asked my salary to be doubled, and you know, the mm-hmm. MD at the time looked at me and he said, okay, we really need you here. So, okay. And they doubled it. <laughs> so wow. my salary. Did you have to bring any um, results that you had achieved, any plans that you, you know, that you were going to implement with this new salary or was it just, you know, on its face? Um, I need my salary to be doubled. Oh, I just went in there and I said, I'm doing a good job. You've seen the results that I can bring and you've seen the impact that my work has, has brought to, you know, to this company. So this is my proposal and I had my number written down, literally double what they were giving me. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, he looked at it, his side, looked at me and then smiled and said, okay, fine, we'll do it. Wow. So I think, I think at times... You know, if you don't ask, you don't know, right? If you don't ask, you're not going to know. And for me, my philosophy has been the worst thing that can happen when you ask is either a yes or a no. If it's a no, oh, well, I'll move on. And if it's a yes, hooray. Well, if it's a no, it's a decision point for you, right? You can either continue doing that job at at the current pay, right? Or you can decide it's time for you to move on. There's really no bad scenario, right? Absolutely. It's just another decision point. Absolutely. Wow. I love those stories. Um, To me, it's all about knowing your self-worth and and asking for what you want and what you know your value is and what you bring to an organization. Um, So that's great. Uh, That's great advice for everybody too, right? Just continuous reminder that we bring things into organizations and we should be compensated um, accordingly. So you grew this wildly successful career in Zimbabwe. We've heard a little bit about that along the way so far. Um, with the goal of becoming a C-suite leader. I think that was your plan, right? And, um, but then uh, you eventually ended up moving to Australia and you, your career kind of took a turn a little bit, right? Just there was a little uh, dip in, in your career trajectory when you moved to Australia. So can you tell, tell us a little bit about what happened and um, what you learned out of that experience? 
uh, Christian, my career was dragged through the mud when I moved to Australia. So you have been kind by saying a little turn. Um, you know, and I'll take you back a little bit. When I was 16, I was surrounded by, you know, women in leadership. And I mentioned that earlier. There were leadership positions across banking sector, tourism and arts. And my mind, my, my, my young mind was exposed to what power looked like. It was a suit armed with a mobile phone <laughs> and a really big car. And at that moment, I knew I wanted a big corporate job with a mobile phone, making lots of money. So after, mm. after university, I was recruited by one of the largest financial organizations as a graduate trainee. And with my eye on the prize, I worked really hard and I reduced my training to a year instead of two years. So I was promoted mm. to brand and analyst position. And by then I was wearing suits, by the way. I was manifesting becoming a CMO by 30 and a CEO by 40. I had it all plan planned out. Mm. And when I moved to Zimbabwe cricket, I loved the international exposure that I gained. It was an amazing job, but I realized that I was not going to become, I was not going to meet my goals. If I stayed in that company, my career path was not so straightforward, was not really well lined up. So I moved on to, um, mm -hmm. to the, to a retailer and within a few months working there, I was promoted to national marketing manager responsible for over 60 stores. And after that, a couple yeah. of years after that, I moved on to an oil and gas company leading the marketing and sales team and focusing on brand building, marketing, sales strategies, and territory analysis. And I have to say, though, joining that company was a really bold move. I had no you know, on paper, I was not qualified to be doing that job, but I knew I could do it. So when it, you know, when it came across, I said, yes, I was going to do it. So fast forward, you know, I moved to Australia six years ago and I quickly realized that my international experience wasn't valued here. It didn't matter that I'd worked with some of the most known brands around the world. I was a qualified professional with solid credentials I needed to have Australian experience to be considered. You know, I had no choice but to rebuild my career again at 31 years old. So, so take us through that kind of pivotal point for you. You move from Zimbabwe to Australia. You're applying for jobs. And what's happening when you're applying for jobs? Crickets? No response? It was a lot of crickets and, you know, it wasn't until I, um, there was this really kind recruiter that I came across and she advised me that it was going to be difficult for me to get a job because on my resume, there wasn't any Australian experience. She could see I was qualified. She could see all of that, but for some weird reason, I am not sure if it's a system issue or if it's something that's laid out as a rule in most of these companies but because I didn't have that Australian experience I wouldn't be considered over someone with Australian experience even if they were less qualified than me. Wow 
was it seems to me like it could have been a hit to your, your definitely your plans to your ego and maybe questioning how why you had worked so hard just to come back come to a new place and have to start at the beginning no it was absolutely devastating for me i had worked hard to get to where i was and it felt like overnight all of that hard work and experience was dismissed and irrelevant you know, and I was advised to remove my senior level experience in order to be considered for entry level jobs, which I did. Wow. And that hurt. It really hurt. I was proud of what I'd achieved in my career. And doing that felt like I was bearing and hiding a really important part of me. Mm. And I started, I, I started working as a marketing and social media specialist for a small restaurant you know, it was a necessary step for me to get the Australian experience. I moved on um, to marketing and communications lead for a company in health insurance. And I was, you know, I was promoted three times in that company in the four years that mm -hmm. I was there. And in all the time that I was working, um, the comment I always received was, Oh, you're so clever. And the surprising thing was people looked, people looked surprised when they said that. So I'm not quite sure what they were expecting. <laughs> yeah. And a few, you know, I stayed with that company for four years. It was brilliant. Um, I was headhunted by a Fortune 500 company for a digital marketing manager role. And initially I was hesitant to take it. I didn't want to put myself in a box of digital marketing. You know, if, you know, you're a marketer, you understand how um, you don't want to end up being boxed in a certain role if that's not what you're going after. And I knew for chief marketing officer, I didn't want to be boxed in digital marketing, but I love it. So I said, yes, and I'm glad I did. And after a few months, you know, solid performance, a new managing director joined the group. And within minutes of a conversation with him, he asked why I wasn't leading the marketing team. You know, I was promoted to, wow. yeah, I was promoted to head of brand and marketing a few weeks later. I have to say the managing director is English. He's, um, he's uh, of, you know, he's got, he's an English, he's an English guy. So not an Australian. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not sure if that makes a difference, but that was one of my, um, the most incredible experiences I had in corporate Australia, working with him. And after he left, after he left, there was a restructure and my new role was made redundant. This, this was 11 months later. So, you know, but there was a huge upset in the tech industry at that time, you know, due to the economic downturn mm -hmm. in the US. And we saw this with Twitter, with Microsoft, with Amazon, with massive layoffs. Mm -hmm. And my company being US-based was impacted as well. And it just felt that after five years of incredibly hard work and sacrifice and finally getting to the level I had been in Zimbabwe, I had to reset again. <laughs> wow. It's a great, you know, your career journey thus far is a great reminder that we, th that to use your word, reset, that we often have to reset several times throughout our career and our life um, to move in new directions or to you know, keep pressing on in the direction that we had intended, but maybe didn't go as planned. What do you think you learned about resiliency during this time of rebuilding 
your career in Australia? You know, the last six years in Australia, well, where my career is concerned, are nothing I would have ever imagined. I kept going, pushed through because my eye was on the price. My dreams, aspirations, Mm. and my why were bigger than what I was going through. I knew what I wanted and what I needed to Mm. prove to myself that I was worthy of a seat at the table, no matter what continent I was in. And I've learned that when you want something hard enough and you put in the work, nothing can stop you from achieving what you want. Have you been able to articulate your why? What is your why? Um, I think there's a lot for people to learn about um, defining their why tangibly Mm. so that they can use it as that guiding light to continue to help them move forward. Have you been able to articulate your why? My why is about, you know, amplifying my voice, amplifying my voice and, and making sure that whichever table I sit on, I am representing a person that cannot represent themselves so I will call out inequity when, when I can. I will call out, um, you know, misogyny when I can. So it's about that representation and making sure that the decisions that are made at the table are decisions that can benefit everyone and are decisions that do not leave anyone behind. And it's something, you know, I recently read about um, the... When, when NASA wanted to take, wanted to have the first walk, you know, spacewalk, um, a full women team, but that had to be canceled because the suits were designed for men. So, you know, things mm. like that. So for me, if there was a woman who was sitting at that table, that would have been something that had been highlighted at that point, but there wasn't. So that's my drive. I want to sit at the table mm-hmm. and make sure that the decisions that have been made are decisions that are not leaving anyone behind. What I've learned, though, is that the table I thought I needed to sit on is actually not the table I need. Oh, that's it. That's very interesting. Explain more about that. What table did you think you needed to sit at? And what table do you now know you need to be at? I thought, you know, in my, because of, you know, how I grew up and the exposure that I had, I thought influence only came when you're sitting at the corporate table. When you're invited mm-hmm. to sit on this t- on the table, then it solidified power, experience. You know who you are. It's like a sort of validation badge that you are great and you belong here so you can talk. It was like a permission to use my voice. Mm-hmm. That's how I saw it. So before that, I didn't think I had a voice to use. I didn't have the credentials. I didn't have the permission Mm -hmm. to speak because I hadn't been invited on the table. And for me, you know, when we're talking about bold moves, it's about that bravery. When you're not being afforded a seat at the table and realizing that, you know, I have to be bold enough to create my own table. And to pursue Mm -hmm. my passion and to use my voice and not wait for permission because I have a voice 
and I have something to say and I'm going to use it. Uh, that's so awesome. I love that so much. I can relate to wanting to build my credentials in order to get the permission to have a say or to build that influence. Um, but, you know, I, I think my life, you know, has turned a little bit. Um, and, and after 15 years in the corporate career, I, I too also realized that nobody needs to give me permission to use my voice. Um, which is a great segue into your 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 chapter now, um, right? And I would love for you to kind of tell us all about what your what your your chapter your next chapter. It won't be your last chapter, right? As we know, but it is the chapter now. What does that look like? What are you doing? And and how are you um, spreading your message and your your why to more people? Oh my. Well, my latest move was deciding to pursue my passion for empowering people from a culturally and linguistically diverse background through empowerment coaching. And this was important for me because when I went through what I went through, I didn't know where to find help. I asked for help and I'm I'm so lucky that I'm surrounded by people who uh, pushed me in the right direction. So I did find the help that I needed, but it wasn't easy to find help from someone who understood what I was going through and what I needed to push through. I had, um, I experienced, I went for, um, this, this man who tried to help me and he would listen but I could tell he couldn't comprehend what I was talking about. It did not make sense to him. He had not walked in my shoes. He did not understand. And he saw what I was saying as excuses, not as my experience. So I needed someone who understood and empathized with my lived experience. And I found just the person. And this person helped me develop an empowered mindset, which you know, which I have now. And, and I look back and I want to help people. I want to help people, you know, I want to help people be empowered. I want to help people and know that what they are going through, there's nothing wrong with them. It's circumstances. You know, that's, that's life. Life is hard, but how we push through that life is our choice. So that's one aspect. So, um, empowerment coaching and, I wake up, I literally wake up each morning excited about all the good that's going to happen. And I have to mention this because someone sent me a message on LinkedIn and I've had a few of these where people have said, oh, you're always so happy. How can we be that happy? How can we be that positive? Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people call me sunshine in human form, which is, which is really great. Like I love, <laughs> so nice. it is so nice. I absolutely love that. But I have to mention that this didn't happen overnight. You know, I had a period in my life, in my second and third year in Australia, where I was terribly depressed and homesick. Mm. I wanted to go back to Zimbabwe, to be surrounded by my family, to have a job that I loved, and to be in an environment where I felt safe and welcomed. You know, and the best thing I did was realizing that I needed help. Um... And I needed to deal with what I was going through in a really healthy way. So 
going through that experience and reframing all that had happened shifted my perspective. And this is why when, you know, my role, that role was made redundant. I did not Mm -hmm. attach myself to that role. It was a role that I did. I loved what I did, but okay, it's done. What's next? And after sitting for a while, I realized, okay, I want to use my voice. I want to influence the community that I'm in. That is, you know, that has generously taken me in. How do I do that? It's by helping other people not go through what I've gone through. So, okay, got certified training in um, in life coaching and got the tools and techniques I need for empowerment coaching. I'm a mentor mm-hmm. with a sisterhood and I wish, you know, this is an industry-wide program for young women in the creative and advertising industries. And I wish this had been there when I moved to Australia to get the help that I needed in, you know, resume writing, salary negotiations. Mm-hmm. I didn't need that. I was good. <laughs> but it's the resume <laughs> writing. Yes, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> 50% more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, and now I sit on the advisory board for the African Professionals of Australia. And this is an organization mm-hmm. equipping professional African migrants with the necessary skills and knowledge to thrive in this country. One thing that, um, that a lot of people are unaware of is when you migrate to Australia as a skilled migrant from the moment my friend Oradella was saying this from the moment you land in this country you start spending money so there's there's no help there's no assistance you start spending money and if you don't know where to get help from it's easy to go for months or even years without getting a job in your chosen field. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that I know that I've been talking to in the past few weeks have had to change their careers because they can't break through in their chosen, you know, in their chosen industry Mm -hmm. or in their chosen pathway. They can't find the jobs because they don't have the Australian experience. So they always end up changing their career path, which I find really sad. So by being on this advisory board, I want to help, I want to work with the team and really help more professionals coming into Australia to be equipped with, you know, resume writing. If we can find them Australian experience in their chosen field, then help them get that. Yeah, that's really helpful work that you're doing and and being such a great resource, um, putting yourself in their shoes because you were in their shoes and, and able to offer that not only that advice to help them get going, but empathy. I'm sure that means so much to these these professionals trying to get their leg up in in a country that they that maybe that you know requires this Australian experience to even get your first job. I wonder, too, uh, M. You know, it seems like there may need to be a systemic change within corporations in Australia to recognize international experience as well. Is that something where uh, the work you're doing on the board is, is also helping to influence change? Yes. So we, we are going to be reaching out to a few organizations to, you know, to give people an opportunity to work in the organizations and I've come across, I've come across incredibly intelligent people 
incredibly mm. intelligent people who have moved and you know broken barriers in their careers in their home countries and they come here and you know they end up working as and this is and this is not um demeaning or undermining um certain career paths but for them they did not move to australia to become a cleaner for example you know that is sure. not their career path but they are forced to become that because they can't get a job in accounting which they've started for years and have experience in or in marketing i'm still to find someone that looks like me who is in a leadership position in marketing you know so it's it's all these yeah. things and i think once people once there's um acceptance that you know excellence comes in many different forms will begin to see a really diverse workforce and a really diverse really diverse leadership teams across Australia and I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I know it will happen. I'm here for it. It will and I am so excited to watch you be a part of that change in Australia. Um uh you're doing amazing things. If you were to give advice to somebody today, either, you know, somebody in your home country of Australia or, you know, internationally who's building a team and they're able to hire for their team, what would you want to share with them about leading a diverse and inclusive team that most people aren't getting right? My advice to them would be to be brave. And I like using this word a lot, brave. Um, you know, brave enough to hire someone that looks different that sounds different that has different views certainly consider the requirements for the job and assess suitability but if their accent is a little bit different from what you're used to be brave and hire them i can promise you and i can promise them it will be one of the best things they do for their organization and team in terms of innovation expansion of knowledge understanding of different cultures learning how different we are but still so the same and it would be such an enriching experience for the team and you can't get that from a book or learn this at school uh there was once a huge debate on linkedin about hiring for diversity or talking hires um companies make in order to appear more diverse and there was a comment made by a certain gentleman that stayed me that stayed with me for a while and he said why should we compromise our hiring process and you know with his title this was a senior leader in an organization here in Australia and the idea that being deliberately diverse means that a compromise has to be made on quality of candidates on experience on qualifications is a huge misconception founded in ignorance and prejudice that excellence only looks a certain way and i've seen this play out so many times in my career yeah it's a it's an ongoing issue that i know everywhere in the world um we continue to need to get better at and so i'm glad to have you um share more about 
how people can be more diverse and inclusive in their practices, in the workplace, and in life in general. Um, my final question for you, Em, is what are some things you know today about being bold that you wish you would have known earlier on? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I wish I'd known. It known. seems like you knew about being bold at six years old, but <laughs> when you reflect on it. <laughs> I wish I'd known that other people's opinions of me are not a reflection of who I am, but more Mm. of who they are in their projections. I wish, you know, I'd never shrunk myself, my capabilities, what I bring to the table in order to make the people around me more comfortable. Um, I struggled, particularly when I moved to Australia, uh, my ambitious um, nature was at times frowned upon. And I let people's discomfort with that dictate how I moved forward in my career. Um, Mentorship from an empowered woman and coaching really helped me realize that was never about me, but was always about them. And if my Mm. blossoming made people uncomfortable, that was on them and not me. And, you know, being bold can be really uncomfortable but the more you show up as you are the more it becomes Mm -hmm. second nature and you there's this freedom that's experienced um when that happens i love that thank you so much em for joining me on the bold moves how did you know podcast it has been a delight to get to talk to you and i didn't mention at the outset but uh it's about 5 30 in the morning in Australia when we're having this conversation. So I am even more gra- grateful that you are joining me today because it is in the wee, wee, wee hours of uh, the morning for you. So thanks again for being here. Um, where can people learn more about you, Em? Oh, my favorite space is LinkedIn. It's the, it's the easiest place to connect with me. Um, everything you need to know about my work, my passion, and what I'm up to is there. I'd love to make new connections. So, you know, get in touch. Thank you again. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you in the next one. One.